Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spin Rack, and we also have Calvin Ellis ready to rock. Today we're gonna talk about that comic book great, the person who's considered the top writer when we're not looking at either Bendis or, or Morrison or Miller. It's Alan Moore. He's comic books top guy. He's he's every time someone gets close to the throne, people remember him or he does an interview and then he comes back to the top spot and everyone just goes and they just worship him and say this, that and the other. Right. So basically, um, similar to how when um, Grant Morrison said, hey, Batman killed the joke at the end of killing joke and it kind of spread like wildfire and people started saying that because they followed the top guys. Alan Moore started tearing apart superheroes and which he had kind of done in the 80s when he finished Watchmen and left DC. He kind of did that. And then at some point he needed some money. So he started working on superheroes again. He, he, did, an, he did an interview where he was tearing down superheroes, which was going to show that they unearthed and he did it in Men's Health magazine. I don't know why this would be in Men's Health, but I guess they're trying to say that, um, you know, superheroes aren't healthy for us. Right. And here we go. Watchman creator Alan Moore thinks super, today's superheroes are embarrassing. Oh, wow. What a. <laughs> As they call them, the white supremacist dream of the master race. And it's just like, okay. And this, he starts to complain about the present day hero and the TV shows, which is only the same. It's the same instance of having the Western being a big deal, the cops, cop movies being a big deal. Basically, all these things of having someone who, when superheroes a little more, um, well, until they they keep making the dark ones. If you do the regular Batman TV show, this was another. We use that as a, a template. That's the upstanding citizen who's a superhero who's fighting crime against stuff that the police couldn't do. Right. That's the template. But his talk about is of you know impact of superheroes on pop culture is both tremendously embarrassing and not only a little worrying, right? So he's saying, um, you know, it's good for 13 year olds, but now that the public is now, it's still having kids go out to it and adults can either find the enjoyment in it the same way they do Star Wars or not. But this is now trickled down to the audience. And when they talk about the Watchmen, they talk about this thread here is that the Watchmen was kind of, where is this? Yeah, it's like, like more probably doesn't need to explain his aversion of superhero worship. And it says on how says that, you know, the Watchmen was hero, superhero worship when it's not. Outside of um, one, one of them being a successful, moving away from being a superhero to a successful businessman using all of his smarts in Isaac Deus, right? That's what, that was the angle of the character, but no one worships uh, Rorsatch. No one worships um, the comedian. You know, comedian works behind the scenes, and uh, what's the name of what's the name of the who's that the uh, Doctor Manhattan is kind of behind the scenes now, also doing his stuff stuff for the government. So it's not actually worship; it's the equivalent of, in my opinion, of the Cold War. But at the same time, everything Doomsday Clock, all that stuff is the same stuff that would happen that happened with us when, in the Cold War between you know Russia and only difference is that Nixon isn't still president. So it's not that very, very, it's not that much different. It was a real, in my opinion, it was, no, in my, not in my opinion, it was the, you know, real world superheroes dealing with the Cold War. You know, even the Dark Knight had some of that. So I said a lot to my start, please jump in. 
Like I did all of my my gags. Please jump in. Sorry for jumping in there and, and have me having all my emotion to it. Go ahead, please. Well, just to remind everybody, when they interviewed more years ago about Watchmen, and his his uh, direct words were that he wanted to write the Moby Dick of comics. Now, a lot of people might think that, oh, he wanted to write this great work of literature. But if you read Moby Dick, Moby Dick is a novel that encompasses prose, poetry, and playwriting within the text if you've ever read it and if you look at Watchmen he has the same approach you have the standard comic book sequential art with you know word with word balloons and captions he also has metafiction in the fact that there's a story being told within the story uh, with the kid reading the comic okay you have the prose pieces in the back okay and I believe you you have the prose pieces in the back and you may have some uh it's been years since I've read it but you may have some other sections as well that I'm uh not readily remembering. So when he says that, yeah, that's what he was after. He was writing this Moby. He was writing this Moby Dick of comics. The idea that of uh, you know not worshiping your heroes—that's nowhere present in that text. He can say what he wants about it, but having that much, it, having read it, you know, that that's not there. As you just said, there's. I mean, one. These aren't heroes. Yes. These aren't heroes. These are more like anti-heroes if you will maybe even mystery men but they're not heroes in the sense of what we would get from the dc comics uh dc comics heroes the comedian is at best an anti-hero and ozymandias is a villain <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's a he's a comic book but he's a classic you know comic book villain as far as his plot like the, he's a you know behind the scenes plotting this thing outside of being a, a businessman but yeah Sorry. He's a stand villain. He's a stand something happens that traumatizes him, and then he decides he has to go this. And that thing that happened that traumatized him was him losing the fight to the comedian early in his career. <laughs> oh God. And that sets him on that sets him on this that sets him on this path, you know, because he has to reevaluate. I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to be this, you know, smart, this and this guy. I'm getting taken out by this guy. And then you throw in some rhetorical flushes, uh, flourishes in terms of Dr. Manhattan. Uh, you know the, the other character. No, no, the other characters, your mileage may vary, but to be honest, if you take them out, you don't really lose anything in terms. You don't really lose anything in terms of the whole of the story. The fact that Night Owl can't, you know, do you know he, the fact that he can't perform sexually unless he's in uh, unless he's in costume or having to do something superhero is that's just some Alan Moore stuff at the end of the day. But it's the same type of titillation that he would put inside of a story, uh, and it does make it different from the classic superheroes the whole what he was talking about about hey be careful about worshiping your heroes that was the treatment he wrote in twilight of the gods that mm -hmm. he wanted to do with dc comics where we were going to be looking at the dc uh superheroes in the future and there was going to be say a house of l a house of wayne uh a house of wonder woman and you know house of shazam, uh, house of shazam if you will and i think dc saw the part where Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel were going to be in this incestuous relationship. And they were like, what the hell is wrong with you, Brits? If it's not buggery, it's this nonsense. He's like, no, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> we're not doing it. That might be a little bit closer to what he's saying here. But to be quite honest, at this state of the day, it just it just sounds like sour grapes from Alan Moore. Anything that he says about comics and superheroes at this point just sounds like sour grapes. And I could get with him to a certain point with Watchmen, where you know he you know he had an agreement. DC showed him, hey, you know this is how it works. 
you know, with these particular contracts. You know, we, we've been in this business a lot longer than you. And to be honest, I would have thought, hey, if he was that concerned about it, this is, you know, the company of Siegel and Schuster. If that's if that right there did not, you know, convince you that, hey, maybe I need to get an attorney or look somebody over it, that uh, have somebody look it over. That is definitely on you. But it's it's been such a long period of time. And it's obvious that he still is not well, he's never going to get over the whole situation with Watchmen. And anything done with Watchmen, he, you know, still is unhappy with. He's unhappy with superheroes unless he can make a buck off it. And he's not making a buck off it right now. So, of course, you know, he'll come over here and say some sensationalist comments about them. Definitely get some press. People respect his previous writings when it comes to comics. The 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 great stuff that he did with DC Comics. So, oh, and let me not just say it like that. The great stuff he did with DC Comics and beyond. But, you know, the, the, the criticism really just falls flat. It just at, at this point, it's just sour grapes. I'm very certain that if he was being tapped for stuff and writing and uh, getting some residuals and some, you know, some some of the money, I, I think we would hear a totally different tune from Alan Moore. Well, there's an interview that was actually with a British um, interviewer. On, I think it's on, it was on YouTube. I'll find it at some point in this, in the you know, at some point. But they were talking to him about like especially the league and this i'm just adding this in is that there's just a rock star attitude to this to be like i don't want to work for marvel marvel made us use miracle man i don't want to accept money for this stuff you know they're going to ruin our stuff now when he did Watchmen, he was very much interested in the movie version he was just kind of like happy with success he was thinking about you know movie there were talks of that happening there was a lot of buzz around it. There was even a talk of a part two to it, which didn't, of course, happen. <laughs> but at the same time, as it was going on and he'd done stuff for Image and had the league, you know, I mean, it's okay to change your mind about different things, but it's kind of hard to be like saying that th these works are now, this is what, this is my thing of hero worship. And then the league here, I don't accept money from these movie people. And he did accept money from the movie people. It wasn't until he said, hey, there's a rule in comics that they would give us money and we would just take it and go. They would never make the movie, right? So we get the money and he said, and they said, he, they called it, um, what's the name? Um, getting money for old rope. And he's like saying, um, yeah, getting money for old rope. And then he's like, but then when I heard they were making it, and then I was like, and he's like, but like, come on. And like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're trying to sell it. You're okay with, you know, like getting the money with the deals. But that was the history in comics that they would ask to do the movie and then you would just get money and they'd never make the movie. And it's like, you know, like this kind of a, a, a backwards way of thinking. So he developed the rock star thing to say, I'll never accept any money for any of this stuff because it's not going to come out how he wanted it. But the thing of it is, he also, if we go into it deeper, like the what you bringing up with Twilight is also, um, you know, the super folks that he borrowed a lot from. These things, <laughs> appropriated, stole, plagiarized, any of those things. And, I outright like hmm? theft. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what, that's what led him to be having, you know, that's what, well, I guess, dis, you know, um, that's why Morrison was disillusioned because he was getting into comics and he was a, a, a writer and then he wrote the thing Dribble. 
complaining about that aspect. So the you know ultimately this thing of us having the the like the Pied Piper thing where we follow along with these writers when they turn they change their mind and they're just like, ugh, this thing comic books superheroes they're just so this that and the other and it's like a half have gas worth them type of statements that he's trying to make and this is like yeah this i'm not sure i'm enjoying the crop of of um you know superheroes and comics and this that and the other but oh, no. hmm? without a doubt the stuff that we've got on the stands right now trash <laughs> yes without a doubt it's no, definitely no, that but for the reasons he's talking is different like they're using utilizing the superheroes for all a bunch of everything that's supposed to be progressive and whatnot and more is just saying it's going to tear down like no it's it's definitely not basically someone's going to run out of interest in the movies or the comics and who knows that well maybe it'll reverse back and then people do some more retro type stuff who knows but trying to go into it and saying this is unhealthy for like no this that sort of stuff this is just basic entertainment it's just like saying the movies are going to turn people into this and maybe you can say that, but we don't we don't look at we look at movies as the problem and we don't look at like the 24 hour news thing of, of that sort of thing and someone getting involved. But I'm getting too heavy in that sense. But I'll go into more. I just don't like the, the Pied Piper aspect and everyone filtering it into their discussions. He so. should just call Superman a fascist and get it over with. <laughs> That's well, I mean, um, that's the other thing when he, you know, at some point he fell out of love with the killing joke, but he did like the aspect, which was right when his writing style was saying, hey, these two characters are stuck in this, this thing where one of them is going to kill each other. And he means that they're in the endless freaking thing because they're fictional characters. So there's always going to be a rock Batman. So he's going to basically talk into each other as fictional characters and that aspect is not what I, I enjoy in a Batman. And I enjoy Batman, the Joker doing something and the Batman stop stopping him. That's it. I don't, I, I can suspend disbelief and not get into them in this sort of rat race together. Ultimately, it's only a rat race because, you know, Bill Finger decided to kill him like with the second, the second time. And Ed is like, at the end, no, the Joker did not actually die. And we'll tell you next issue, what happened? I think, listen, I think Batman number one, or maybe it might be the issue after that where he appears and they kill him and he's not <laughs> actually dead. And it's like, now, wait a second. You're not, why would you guys kill this guy? This is a great villain. You know, that's the only reason why Batman doesn't kill him. Like, ultimately, he would. I, mean, I think Alan Davis had a good point. Like, we know, basically, if you do something too bad, the hero is going to take him out. They're not going to do something to Commissioner Gordon or Barbara Gordon. He's going to put him in the ground but it's a you know he's a joker he can't get rid of him but this thing of following it along and listening yeah it's good i mean if you like the person you're a fan of them that's fine but then when they change their mind and you don't say what i'm right i'm reading this watchman for hero worship in all my movies or this and he he proves that he was against hero worship from the watchman when watchman is more like um you know like superheroes as police like the being the the cops and the people hating them, like the like, who watches the Watchmen is a negative statement from the from the people. Like yep. it's not a a, a a thing where you you're supporting them and they worship them. No, they just use them as government. That's the most basic thing. Everything is government. Like the it's the he can say that 
that's how Nick Fury got tied into the Avengers and the Fantastic Four in the in the Heroes in the Heroes Reborn. So ultimately, I don't like this type of thing. He's he's Alan Moore. Whenever he does something, it's going to be, you know, people are going to enjoy it. They're going to look past some of the stuff of his writing because it's um it's an enjoyable style. But come on, guys, like like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you spent all that time doing superhero comic books and now say, hey, it's bad. This is this is bad when it was when you needed the money, you what do you give you gave us, you know, you gave us gotta, some strong. You gotta put that ellipsis. You gotta put that ellipsis when he says this. Like it's bad ellipsis that I'm not getting any money. <laughs> but he's that, like That's all this is. There's no there's no there's there's no higher platform. It this is just sour grapes. I'm not getting any money. Okay, I'm not getting any money. I should be reaping. You know, I got screwed out of my deal. Or I mean, to be honest, it's a fair enough deal if you read it. But it it becomes the same thing that a lot of these guys go into. Nobody ever anticipates. Okay, you know, I think the only time it worked out is with the guys at Image, where you know. You know, Liefeld goes in. And he's like, "Look, if I'm selling a hundred thousand copies, that's a hundred thousand dollars. If I at a buck a book, you know, I'm okay." And what does he get? He gets a million copies. He's like, "What?" You know, where it turns out that actually worked in their favor. But a lot of times, these guys they go, they create this stuff, they enter into agreements, and then they look and they're like, "Oh, wow, this is great. This is pretty good." Oh, I get the rights back, right? No, we only get the rights back if we stop publishing this thing. If it's a hit, why would we stop publishing it? Well, that's a, well, I think someone who did uh, a friend of mine played me a, a gag where they had um, um, a person in, imitating Moore and a person imitating um, Morrison, and they, they had an argument. And he's like saying, "If you got screwed over by by DC, why would you give him V for Vendetta?" <laughs> you know, it's some of the things of you know, like uh, taking the money and selling off Tom Strong to to Wildstorm. Like some of the things you just do that, and I get it. I understand that um, you know you had this deal, but at the same time, at the same time, DC isn't in a place to stop publishing the Watchmen. Like it's too big. Like it's not in a there's no place. If if it failed, yeah, he'd be like, take it. But like you know, they spent the money on the Charlton characters, and they wanted to do a Charlton series, which he definitely wouldn't have owned that. But they kind of like had this big hit and it's like the one that's um even you know might have edged out the the dark knight just slightly but at the same time and both of them dealing with the same subject matter the dark knight is dealing with everything cold war possible police uh you know the the russia the, the nuclear stuff is in there and you had the same stuff in watchmen just two different takes on it and um you know um it's the understanding that what's the name is not owning it. It's like, hey, this thing is you're making a ton of money off. Well, you can make a ton of money off of the comic. If he's not making taking money from the you know the the yearly sales of Watchmen and or the I guess he didn't that he would definitely not take money from the before Watchmen or the TV shows. But I don't know. I just think these statements every time he gets said, it's almost like you turn it back into you know going back to the mystic seer and listening to him and saying yes you're right this is tearing down our society this hero worship and it's like those those superheroes movies are just cop movies and and gag 
stories that they've been doing for years. Like that's malarkey. <laughs> huh? That's a, no, that's malarkey. In the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight is a perfect. See, the Dark Knight is closer to what he's saying, only in the reverse, where it's like, hey, this is why we need heroes. Because mm -hmm. one of the, yeah. the things that's going on in the Dark Knight is that the government has failed us. Yes. You know, we, you know, the government said we're going to get rid of the heroes. Okay, we're going to get rid of them. These guys are running around. They're not, you know, they're not sanctioned. We'll keep Superman under, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, under the blanket, so to speak. But we won't. Everybody else, you guys got to go. And then what happens? You know, you go to a place like Gotham. You got, you know, crime rampant. Got gangs running around. And it's only, you know, it's it's only when the people put their faith in a hero, and then put their faith in themselves as well that they start making that turnaround. That's one of the themes right there. And and Watchmen is not about that at all. Watchmen is about, oh goodness. Mm. It's, it's almost like you know the, the beckoning of a totalitarian system. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's where he's going with the whole thing, and I understand it because this is a guy who's coming out of Great Britain. He's coming out of the UK under Thatcher, and a lot of that's what they felt like under Thatcher. That I mean, that's one of the themes that he was exposing in uh when when he was doing Miracle Man. You know, so it's it shouldn't be it shouldn't be very it, it shouldn't be very surprising. It's just oh, it, this. I mean, a lot of guys. I mean, guys like me would love to have had the opportunities that Alan Moore had to write and to be able to make these contributions. I thought what he did with America's Best Comics was just a whole bunch of fun. Yes. At the end of the day, and he was finally like, okay, good, he's there with it. And then he goes back and does this type of stuff. I'm like, dude, you've had an uh, opportunity to make a really good impact on comics. And every time you say this, I don't believe you. I don't believe you still write comics. I don't believe that you have this about uh, you have this feel uh, about superheroes either. Because I know I am betting you any amount of money the first time Superman and Batman hit public domain that this guy has a story about them. Okay, it may be a story. <laughs> well. It, it may be a story, it, you know, it may be a story about totalitarianism and rape, but hey, I'm certain he'll have a story at the end of the day. So I just don't believe when he says this. He genuinely loves these characters. Okay? There's... Uh, comic books are for the young and the young at heart. And the guys who enjoy them are the guys where the boy inside has never died and still looks forward to that next issue and keeps reading because they hope that the next issue is going to be better. He's still there. As much as he wants to play the crotchety, curmudgeon, crabby old man, he's still there at the end of the day, and he's just waiting. Because I'm telling you, he's got the red phone on his desk, and as soon as that thing rings, hey, more. <laughs> I'll be there. I'm right there. I'm not signing any contracts. You know, that's not how we work. Eh, okay, I'll sign. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, all right, I'm no, I'm not, I'm no interest in continuing this. Hey, Jim Lee, you want to take the rest of this for the rest of the Just give me a, a residual thing on this. But, you know, let, let's go to the actual thing, right? You know, the crazy part about it is one of his more superhero things. I mean, obviously, America's Best and Tom Strong. You can even go, I always, like, um, Supreme Scenes, even though it has a, a, a Silver Age Superman feel, it has a lot of his... Um, is Captain Britain and the multiverse stuff in, but the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, even though it has all this dark stuff, it's totally like a Avengers type of thing where the characters, we have Mina, who's the, Mina and obviously Adam Quartermain who are the upstanding heroes, and then they make a solid hero out of Mr. Hyde. He does things that people love, 
for some strange reason. I can't say much about Nemo because he just drives the car. Like that's all he does in the series. He don't have anything from this thing. And ultimately I knew that um, the Invisible Man was gonna go bad. So that's what kind of killed the series for me. But the heart of those characters, those three characters are them doing the heroics that you'd see the Avengers do. The only thing is they didn't have them do the hand together like the Avengers, which we see the Avengers movie basically was that sort of thing. These coming together for a reason and handling business. And that's the book that he did in the League, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's what the heroes are about, not this nonsense of hero worship and all that stuff that he wants to complain about. That all oh, this these dumb movies are going to turn it into, you know, the whites. Come on, stop it. <laughs> well, he's got he's got to say that because that's going to get the traction. That's going to get the press. That that's going to get on the AP wire at the end, end of the day. Though, I mean, the first two, I thought the first two League, I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the uh, first series and the second series, best work. Everything that came after Trash, it, it just totally, it just totally fell off. And I got, I caught on to that late. I think I caught on to that, like, issue five of the second series when Hyde had caught up to Mr. Uh, the Invisible Man and decided that he would bugger him. I was like, oh, what the hell? Well, <laughs> like, that's the thing. What's and, and what, going what? on here? I had to do a whole bunch of back reading. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. There's like a point where you look at this, and I think it's in the second series. Well, I didn't like I have having the it's like having Loki, having the Joker, any of these guys on the team, having the invisible man, you know what he's gonna do. You know he's gonna turn on you, which of course he did. Not in not in the anti-hero type of way, but then there's another bit where it's just like, you know, he has a lot of Matt Harvey Kurtzman, a lot of Mad Magazine, where you have a lot of things in the panel, because there's a bit in there where, um, what was it, when Mina and Alan Quatermain has sex, and it's this passionate thing, and she has a scarf off, and then um, she says, not what you expected, and then he turns with his eyes to the other way, and he's like, oh, and then next thing you know, he has a caption, he says, the fornicators, okay, kids. Like saying, what kid is reading this book? Like, come on, like, stop writing it. Like, I guess it's because, you know, obviously, you know, this literature that, you know, children have read at that periods of time, but it's just like the people who are the the demographic for this book is, (laughs) it was like like 20 at that point, 20 something, mid 20s when this thing came out. This is like, stop with your gags. But um, ultimately, you know, it shows that at least the heart of it, and then the term Mina and what's the name running around saving the universe and the other series, it's still trying to do the hero dynamic. And that's the dynamic, not this thing of what Wortham, like basically saying Wortham is right, and this is um, tearing us down. It's like, how did Alan Moore become Wortham? So ultimately, that's the last thing I got to say about this. I could go on for a while, you know, going through his work and saying this is the issue I have, but you know, like some of the stuff in there is so much, it's such, it's, he has so much um, stuff in his work that you always have to, you find some way to appreciate it, even when it goes left. So that's the last thing I got to say, but don't follow this sort of thing. You, you, Watchmen is not a statement on um, superhero worship. And don't follow, if, you're, if you like the superhero movies, 
Go ahead and watch them. Don't be like us and complain. <laughs> well, we don't complain about them saying it's going to tear down society and turn into a white supremacist, you know, something or another. What are your last, you can say, you don't have to be your last words. What do you, if you want to, any other topic on this you want to go into, I'm fine. Well, we, don't, hmm? we don't complain about the films because we think they're going to tear down society. We complain <laughs> about them because the trash and we want good. That's why we complain about them. Anytime we, because we go out, we're still kids at heart. Okay, so we want to come over here and enjoy ourselves. And then we look and they adulterate it with all this adult bizwas. And we're like, we don't want to deal with this. We just came here to watch Iron Man save the day. We came over here to watch Cap throw the shield, beat some dudes, and, you know, and look cool doing it. We came over here to watch Superman push a planet. And instead, we got to sit through all this stuff where they want to make it suitable for adults and it's not about making it suitable for adults it's about reminding adults what it was like to be a kid yeah you know that sense of wonder they they, they keep screwing that up like it, when they got it right it was because it wasn't because oh well we've made the costumes more realistic and the people know the people don't run around in these costumes <laughs> they already know they're not doing it. these chicks don't, don't run around in this stuff i don't care how much you make it look more realistic it's still an outfit Okay, and they would never be caught dead walking down the street in it or any sort of functionality in our world. In this world, it works. Yeah, yeah. It's about the verisimilitude that uh, Richard Donner was talking about with Superman. But, in, uh, you know, with more, you know, again, sour grapes. And, you know, the, 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 I, I think we're well past the idea that comic books will be uh, the forerunner of the downfall of Western society, <laughs> you know, be it the downfall of Western society, the rise of white supremacy, it's not going to come. Th- it's it's not going to come through a comic book because most of the guys just buy it for the covers now anyway, and 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 put it in a box. So they're not reading whatever whatever the material is that's supposed to bring them to the dark side. You you guys really messed up because they're not getting past the cover. So you don't have to worry. About, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, hey, well, you know what? It's what's it's twenty twenty three. Uh, you know, Superman and Batman go public domain in like another what eleven years. So we just we gotta watch him. But I, that's the thing. I don't have someone who complains so much about DC stealing his Watchmen, and then say, "Hey, other uh, other writers have played in there in, in the public domain. Why can't I?" It's like, no, you're saying you yeah, this your creation should stay with you. Are you trying to send back money to the state or something like that? No, you're saying I can play in this thing because the rules work in my favor. Yay! <laughs> that's the thing that's kind of nutty to me that he just jumped to the public domain. But I mean, and you know, it's very interesting. That, well, I didn't know that. I thought that was an idea that he had, but I didn't know that um, there were already writers like dealing with the same, you know, dealing in that. I forget the writer's name. It was doing um, using public domain characters to do different stories and having them meet each other, which is kind of the basis of the league. But it was a some sort of a book, a series of books where they had um, literary characters meet each other. But it's basically because it's public domain. I guess he read read them when he was younger and very much, um, you know, um, was enamored by it. So Dark Horse did. Dark Horse Comics was doing that with like you know you would have a uh, Tarzan meet Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. That type, you know, that type of stuff. But those are what he did with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was he applied the Avengers effect to mm-hmm. to the league, you know, or Justice League, if you will, to the league, to the league. Where I'm going to put together this group, and this is going to be like a like a, a, a superhero team, if you will, a Victorian superhero team with these particular characters. 
and it, you know, and it works. So that's what you know. That's where he was going uh, with with that. You know, with that particular uh, with that particular uh, jaunt that he was doing. Mm-hmm. But hey, just sour grapes, sour grapes. I don't, yeah, th- that's all I can say regarding more in this. He knows how to get some press, and you know, if, if, in eleven years from now, once that watch of his goes off, he'll we we know who watches that watchman. He's going to wow. you know, he, look. He's going to go. He's going to go for it. It's the lowest hanging fruit. I would be shocked if he did not. He's probably already got the script done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, ultimately. Um... They've done what is his last work was um cinema something that cinema thing that he did so um he's kind of due to come back and um do something but yeah i mean he's already played in the public domain we'll see what happens i don't know if he would do it for that long or maybe he would who knows he could have had the, whatever leftover scripts he wanted to do for the next year of um supreme and turn it into turn it into his own superman story or i mean whatever. it's basically going to be if I was, I mean, his, this is Alan Moore. Superman goes public domain. You can write this character, at least what he was in Action Comics 1. He's skillful enough to do that. And he he would just make money on it just from his name and him doing Superman. That's it. It's free money. Any of these guys could come over here. They wouldn't have to finish the story. They could do like part one and part one never gets finished. Yeah, well, I always think that that, that sort of happens you know, the first person who's going to do it is um, Ethan Van Skyver. He's <laughs> a Superman's a million dollars now. It's like <laughs> his campaign. But um, yeah, I mean, um, he already played in it in, in the public domain. So he's probably going to join again. So and is that it? Is anything else you got? No. Good. All right. Spinner rack. Out. Out.